starting a new series uh, called Gideon, and uh, it's about a dude in the Bible named Gideon. And it's in the book of Judges, and so Judges is basically, um, well, it's like, if you read it, it's like uh, an election cycle almost. Like, so if you're, uh, our church, I'm very proud of our church, we're split down the middle, uh, Democrats and Republicans. I know how all you guys vote, they tell me, and... Um, <laughs> So, like, when your team wins, then that would be, like, a good judge. Like, you win. Like, that's a good judge. And then when the other team wins, that's a bad judge, right? So, that's kind of like judges. It's just there's a judge that follows the Lord, and then things go good. And then there's a judge that doesn't follow the Lord, and things go bad or king or whatever. And so, it's just, uh, it's just that's just kind of w- what it is. And so, uh, we um, are right in a place where uh, it, it talks about this one guy Gideon, and if you ever, uh, if you know kind of the, the famous part of Gideon is that God wipes out these people with only 300 men. Like they gather all the men, and then God says, hey, we're going to whittle it down. We're going to whittle it down. And, and so we'll get to that much later, you know, spoiler alert. But um, uh, that's, that's kind of the famous part of Gideon. But one, one of the reasons why I like to uh, preach on this, and the reason I, I brought it back, I preached on this about eight years ago, is because Gideon, when you read it, he is just like you and I. He's just like you and I. He, uh, when, when, you, when we read his, uh, what they call it in fancy seminary, they call it his call story, right? When we read his call story, you'll see a lot of yourself, I think. I see a lot of myself in, in the call story. It doesn't make sense to him that he would be used by God. And I know uh, in a group this size that a lot of you might feel the same way today. That uh, just getting to church today was tough because of your week. It just kind of getting to a place where you're like, man, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, for the, you, you're, maybe you're coming back to church after being gone for a while. And you're just surprised you didn't get struck by lightning when you walked in the sanctuary. Right? And so you, that, that, that might be you. Maybe you're new to the Bible. Maybe uh, just kind of with the craziness that's going on in our culture, you thought, you know, I'm going to just, I'm going to try church. And so you, you, you'll identify a lot with, with Gideon as well. Now, let me give you some uh, kind of background. Uh, what often happens with God in the Old Testament is that he has this people, Israel, and they, the, the idea was that they would be his people and he would be their God. And they would follow his rules and it would go well for them because God's rules, the ones he sets up, are for our own good. And so they would follow the rules and then all the other nations would look at them and go, what are you guys doing right? Like, that's amazing. Tell tell us about your God because most of these cultures worshiped their own gods as well. And so it's kind of like, uh, we are, like if, if you're here because someone invited you to church, maybe that's kind of the same way. You see how they're living their life. They seem to have peace when there shouldn't be peace. They seem to have joy when there shouldn't be joy. And so you said, well, you know what? I want to learn about your God. It's a kind of the same thing. And so what had happened was Israel started worshiping the gods of the Amorites. Okay, so there's a lot of ites in the, in, the, in the Old Testament, right? Where there's Moabites and all, all, all these different people. Uh, but it, uh, God said, don't worship those gods. And specifically, the god that they worshiped was Baal. 
B-A-A-L. And so they had these uh, altars for Baal worship, and they also had these um, things that were all, all around called a Asherah poles um, that were, they, well, you can use your imagination, but they had a certain shape to them. And anyway, um, and so they'd worship at these Asherah poles, like this goddess of fer fertility and all this kind of stuff. And this is where they were. So God disciplines Israel. And says, okay, you're going to worship these gods. Let's see if these gods can deliver you from um, oppression. And so that's what happened. And so the, the uh, Moabites were, uh, they would come every year when all the crops were done. And they would steal everything and they'd ravish any, everything. Now, through chat GPT and technology, I actually have a picture of this taking place that I found. <laughs> So the Israelites would, uh, they'd harvest everything, and then Hopper, the grasshopper, would come with his guys, and they'd take everything away. So that's, um, that's just, I, I'm such a jerk. Okay, uh, I, I couldn't help it. I couldn't help it. All right, so th these uh, Mid Midianites, I'm sorry, not Moabites, Midianites. So um, anyway, so here's, so here's where we catch it. It's in Judges chapter 6. We'll start off in verse 2. Um, and see if this doesn't sound familiar. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. And this is what we do as humans. When there is something that's oppressive, we run oftentimes and hide. And we create uh, shelters for ourselves. And that might be in the, in the case of a substance that you run to a substance. Your, your boss is so oppressive. <laughs> your job is so oppressive. You, you, you run to this substance. Your uh, finances are so oppressive. You run to uh, this substance. Or maybe it's not a substance. Maybe it's just food. Uh, the, the culture for you right now is so oppressive. You open the fridge door. The, that maybe you, you escape in um, fantasy, you know, whether it's movies or romance books or uh, di different things. You escape, you binge watch or whatever it is. That, that, that this, it becomes so overwhelming. And let me just tell you this. God wants you out of the caves, out of the clefts, and out of your strongholds. And that's where God wants you. He wants you free. And so for us, oftentimes it feels like we um, enter into these situations and there's just seems like there's no way out. It seems very oppressive. And this is exactly where the people of Israel were. It just, it just felt like God was disciplining them so heavily. And so uh, that's where they find themselves, prepared shelters for themselves. And so uh, the Midianites would uh, camp on the land and ruin the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel. So whatever they didn't steal, they killed. They did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep nor cattle nor donkeys. They invaded the land to ravage it. I don't know who I might be speaking to this morning, but that's how you feel. You feel like God has abandoned you. You feel like maybe it's your adult children. 
uh, as we had our prayer request uh, about different uh, adult children not acting like adults, right? You know, maybe, maybe it's that. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's your marriage. You just feel like there is no hope. And you just want to run away. You just want to escape. As one of our prayer requests, you want to end it all. Well, that's where God shows up. And so what had happened was, um, uh, so the Midian, Midian, the Midianites, so impoverished the Israelites that they cried to the Lord for help. And maybe that's you this morning. Maybe this is your cry for help. Go attending church or watching online or something. So maybe somebody's, um, this is after Sunday and they've shared this message with you to kind of give you hope that you cry out to the Lord. Let me just tell you this. When you cry out to the Lord, you are going to the right place. Although he's going to pull you out of that stronghold and that cave and that mountain cleft, right, and bring you into the light, he is our deliverer. Midian, uh, they cry out to the Lord for help. So what happens is, uh, and a lot of times th- this, this takes place in the Old Testament where God wants to share a message with the people of Israel. And so there's um, uh, this prophet comes. We don't know his name, um, but he just goes throughout Israel and begins to prophesy, begins to remind the Israelites uh, who, who, what God they serve and why they were being disciplined in the first place because they were following after these other gods and it was not working out for them. And so he, this prophet says, I, he's talking on behalf of God and he says, I rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians and I delivered you from the hand of all your oppressors. I drove them out before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live, but you have not listened to me. Sometimes, sometimes it is God that's disciplining us, that it is not just life that's happening, but God is letting us go and do our own thing, our own way, and he sits back and he says, how's that working out for you? And so for some of us, the situation we're in right now, we got ourselves into We got ourselves into it. We got ourselves into that addiction. We got ourselves into that financial uh, trouble, into that debt, into that uh, relational issue that we have. We we got ourselves there, right? So here's what happens. Um, So all of a sudden now uh, we're introduced to Gideon. And uh, what what we're going to see is Gideon is in a wine press. And so a wine press is basically a a circular um, you know, kind of vat, and you put all the grapes in there, and then you walk around, or an animal walks around, or whatever, and smushes those grapes down, and then there's a little spout at the end that the grape juice comes out of, and then that's how they make their wine. They ferment that, and they make, they make their wine. And so, if you can imagine kind of something with, with some walls up about this high. And what you would do with wheat is you would um, take the wheat and you'd have it in a, in a, in a, uh, like a little uh, basket and you'd throw it up in the air and the wind would take what we call the chaff and it separates that and then the wheat falls back into the thing. So now you picture uh, Gideon hiding in a wine press with his little basket and some wheat because he doesn't want the Midianites to see him sifting wheat because they'll come steal it. 
What a miserable existence. To be hunched over, holding on to your wheat because you're scared they're going to take it. And you're scared if you stand up and you do it, someone could see you from far away and see the chaff going and going, man, we'll go steal that. And here he is all hunched over just trying to eke out an existence. That word picture there, that, that scenario is a lot of us today. God wants us out in the light. He wants us living this abundant, joy-filled, peace-filled walk with him. And we are hunched over trying to hang on to whatever we have because we don't want it taken from us. That could be your career. It could be your kids. It could be a relationship. It could be anything. We're just hunched over just going like this. Oh, I hope I, hope I don't lose it all. I hope I don't lose it all. And God wants to pull us out of that. And so that's where we find Gideon. Scared. Protective, right? No sign of hope. He's completely hopeless. And that's where we find him. So we get into uh, uh, verse 12. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, so he's there. Uh, there, there's an oak tree that the Bible describes, and scholars wonder if that was the place of Baal worship, and it gets all confusing, but he's just under an oak tree as far as I could read it. The angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon and said these two amazing phrases that I hope you hear this morning, and I hope you take these into your week. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. <laughs> now you picture this. He's down in the wine press, right? Now, first of all, that would have freaked me out, right? Have an angel just pop up out of nowhere, like show up and start talking to me, especially if I'm hiding, right? And so I, he's down in here and he's like sifting his wheat in his wine press. Doesn't want to get mighty warrior. Nothing about Gideon. Nothing is a mighty warrior. Now, here's what I want to share with you this morning. Some of you need to hear this loud and clear. The Lord has an identity for you that you might not even have for yourself. The Lord has an identity for you. You might look in the mirror as you think about your spiritual life, and you might look in the mirror and go, failure, unfaithful. I should be farther in my faith than I am. And your heavenly father looks down and goes, mighty warrior. The Lord has a title for you that you probably don't even have for yourself. You say, John, if you knew my story, you would never say that. Well, that Gideon has the exact same response that you would have for me right there. If you knew my story, well, I have news for you. And this is, this is I went to seminary. So I kn I'm very smart, Okay. <laughs> I'm very biblical. I'm a holy reverend, okay? So you have to, he knows your story. <laughs> he already knows your story. And he has a title for you that you might not even have for yourself. And he starts with this truth, the Lord is with you. And that's true for you today. He is with you. He's there. Just because he's silent in your life right now does not mean he's absent. 
Just because you might be in a season where you can't hear him or see him, he is there and he has a title for you that you don't even have for yourself. Mighty warrior. And then, so here's what Gideon does, right? Um, Pardon me, my Lord. I I love that part. He's like all polite. I'd be polite too if it's an angel. And just real quick, so we, we kind of understand the theology of all, all of what's happening. If you were to read this story and you were kind of just paying attention, you would see an angel of the Lord, and then you'll see the Lord, right? So um, you kind of might question, like, well, is it an angel of the Lord or is it the Lord? The point of the story is that somebody speaking on behalf of God into Gideon's life, okay? So don't get confused about, well, was that an angel or was it the Lord? And uh, we leave that up to the smart scholars. But uh, the idea is that God is talking to Gideon. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. But if the Lord is with us, maybe this is your question. What the heck? <laughs> right? That's Hebrew. Why, why has all this happened to us? Do you ever feel that way? Like even when I told you before, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior, in the back of your mind, you might have been thinking, well, if that's the case, why, 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 why is my relationship all jacked up with my kids? Why, why did that accident happen? Why, why did I get that diagnosis? Why, why, why are all these things happening around me? Why, why do little children get injured? Like what? Like, Make that connection for me, please. This is what Gideon's saying. If the Lord is, is with us, now, it is very interesting because the, the angel of the Lord, or the Lord says to Gideon, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And he says, but if the Lord is with us, already he's just like kind of, you know, bringing everybody into the equation, which they weren't invited. Why has all this happened to us? Where, where, where is he? What's he doing? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? Now remember that prophet had gone through and had reminded them of this. So this is on the forefront of Gideon's mind. Like, hey, thanks prophet, but I got to hide just to sift my wheat. We mean he's with us. Maybe you feel the same way. Watch, watch how strong Gideon's languages. And watch the fact that God isn't offended by Gideon's strong language. But now the Lord has abandoned us. That's how Gideon feels. So from God's perspective, he says the Lord is with you, and he calls him a mighty warrior. From Gideon's perspective, he's like, the Lord is not with us, and I am not a mighty warrior, and I don't even know what's going on right now. But Lord has abandoned us and has given us into the hand of Midian. Now watch this. This is really cool. The Lord says, Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Now that is a confusing statement, isn't it? Like what do you, like what? You ever feel that way when God's talking to you or you're, you, you're hearing God through the word of God or maybe through a pastor's message? well-crafted, well-delivered message, right? Right? And you, 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 you hear the Lord and it doesn't quite make sense. Look at it. Go in the strength you have. 
What's he saying? Now, let me just uh, share a little bit of my call story. I, most of you know it because uh, you've been here for a while. But uh, I was working in business for about 16 years in import-export. And uh, I was leading worship at another church uh, on Wednesday nights. And um, I got a phone call after I was leading worship by our superintendent. And so you pick, you pick that phone call up. Uh, because he's the boss of everybody. And um, so I pick up the phone and he says, John, are, are you, do you still feel a call to ministry? Well, I had felt a call to ministry in college, but I was doing so t terribly in those theology classes. That's why I was joking, saying I'm so smart. Uh, I was flunking those, so I switched to business because I'm too dumb to be a pastor, right? And so, um, and so, but that call never quite left me. Like, I, it, it was always bubbling up. So I'd lead small groups. I'd do all these different things. And so he called. He goes, do you still feel a call to ministry? I said, well, look, I'll, I'll, I'll do anything the Lord has me do. And so, um, so he told me about Garden Grove. And so I, 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 I told Lisa, I said, I'm just going to go to this church in Garden Grove. I've never even heard of the city before in my life. And, uh, and, and I said, I'm going to go to Garden Grove. It's, I think it's in Orange County. And so um, I said, but don't come with me. I'm just going to pray. God's going to say no. And I'm, I'm, I'm peace out. I go back to business, which I love. So I pull in the parking lot. I know exactly which space it was. I have it memorized. And uh, I sat there, and I just began to pray. And I prayed kind of something similar to Gideon. Like, I don't know. I don't know why you'd have me drive all the way out here. But okay, whatever. And I didn't hear the Lord say no. <laughs> and I was like, oh, snap. Because I always hear no. Like, I'm really good at hearing no from God. <laughs> like, really good. Like, that's what he normally says to me. Hey, can I? No. Okay, so, right? So, I'm sitting in the parking lot. I don't hear no. And all of a sudden, I start thinking, I can't be a pastor. They don't make any money. <laughs> like, this is, this is my nightmare. Like, like, I don't know what I'm going to do, right? I start getting scared. I start getting, and, and, and I almost hear the Lord saying, well, if, if you think it's all on you, go in the strength you have. Go ahead. See how that works out for you. Go ahead and be a pastor. Just, you're going to do it on your own? You think you need, you think you can do it on your own or you have to do it on your own? Let's see how that works out for you. I'm here to tell you, it does not work. Your pastor desperately, desperately needs his heavenly father. Guiding and directing, chastising, leading, right? He goes, go, go in your own strength, see what happens. Now, that's how I read it, okay? Maybe you feel the same way. But then he says this, am I not sending you? In other words, don't you think I know what's going on? For some of you who want to leave that marriage, and God has not released you to leave that marriage. And you say, man, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I, I, I want to get out. Don't, don't you know he's sending you to stay in that marriage? Don't you know he's going to give you the strength to work it out? He absolutely will. Maybe it's another relationship. Maybe God's called you to give. Right? In, in, in our theology, uh, uh, that, that what we believe is that we give 10% of our income back to God. Now, for some of you, that might be super offensive. You're like, ah, I made it to church. I knew he was going to talk about money. Uh, you know, and so, well, there you go. Your expectations have been met. Okay. Uh, but right, right? And so, so in the back of your mind, you're thinking, you know what? I've never, 
I've never done that. I've never given 10% of anything. I, I just, it's kind of my money, and I grew up poor, and I'm going to hold on to it, and I'll give a few here, there, there. Is he not sending you? No, you don't think he's going to take care of you in your giving? Of course he is. He's going to help you in that marriage. He's going to help you in those relationships. He's going to help you with your finances. But if you want to go do it on your own strength, go have at it. That's how I read this. <laughs> Gideon. Uh, pardon me, my Lord. He says it again, right? I love this. You guys should read your Bible. It's so amazing. <laughs> Lord, but uh, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. This is not true. He owns land, right? He's a landowner, and his dad runs one of the Baal worship temple altar places. He's not the least in Israel, right? But this is often what happens, right? This is what happened when I was called to be a pastor. I was like, no, 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 you need somebody, you need somebody with a toupee and got their teeth whitened and like is real slick. And I, like I stumble over stuff. I find way too many things funny. Like I'm just not a good pastor. I'm just not pastoral, right? Like, and the Lord's going, did I not, am I not sending you? Like, I don't, care what, I don't care where you come from. I don't care what your education level is. I don't care how much money you have. When God wants to use you, he's going to prepare you to be used. It is not up to you or I. It's up to him. Now listen, isn't that so refreshing? Can you imagine? I'm telling you, my first two years here, I had, you ever, you ever hear the term imposter syndrome? Imposter syndrome is when you get hired to something and you don't feel like you're qualified to do it. For the first two years here, I didn't want people calling me Pastor John. I wanted them to just call me John because I didn't want the title pastor because I just felt like there's just no way I should be a pastor. I had imposter syndrome. That's not from the Lord. The Lord called me to be a pastor and then empowered me to do so. And so he, he comes into this thing. He's got this identity. He's got this narrative about himself. Some of you, not only do you not have the right title for yourself, because God wants to call you mighty warrior or faithful husband or faithful wife or whatever it is, and you have the wrong title for yourself and you have the wrong narrative that you can't be used by him. You absolutely can be used by him. I'm telling you this. This is not false humility. If I can be used by God to pastor a church, you could be used by God to do anything. He does it. It's him. It's all him. It's all him. So he says, the least of my family. And then and this is what the Lord says. So see, now it's the Lord. You know, we don't know angel of the Lord or the Lord said, I will be with you. I will be with you. That is the only thing you need to accomplish what God has for you. And maybe for you, it's like you're being tempted at this certain season of your life for whatever, sexually, financially, whatever. There's just a temptation. There's a feeling you want to go run with these people or like my wife, go out with your crazy college friends, go to Nashville, right? You know, I want to do all these different things. And he says, you can do that. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to see you through this. You can do it. You, you, can, you can be pure. You can be faithful. You can make it. I know you got that physical diagnosis or someone close to you did. You can make it through that 
I will be with you. That's God's rebuttal to Gideon's dumb narrative. The Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down the Midianites, leaving none alive. That's just amazing. Gideon replied, if I now have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign. Okay, first of all, isn't just showing up a sign? <laughs> like, like, well, how about an angel? That would be a good sign. Oh, I already did that. I don't know. But God, I could just see God getting very frustrated with Gideon right now. I would be, I'm frustrated with Gideon right now. Give me a sign that it is really you talking to me. But man, is that not us? Isn't Gideon us? We're like God. We know it's God telling us how we need to live, what decisions we need to make, how we need to give, how we need to serve, what we need to do with our time. We know it's him. And we're like, if I could just get a sign. God's like, it's called the Bible. Read it. Here's your sign. It's like the dude, here's your sign, right? Give me a sign that it's really you talking to me. Please do not go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. This is Gideon wanting to see what God's going to do. As the worship band comes back up, we're going to take communion in just a little bit. But I wanted to wait until this, this next verse is just incredible to me. Okay, so let's recap. Gideon has no hope. The Midianites ravish everything. They take everything. They come in. He, it, it, Israel had been disciplined for years, right? He's hiding, trying to sift his wheat in a wine press. God shows up, says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior, right? He gets a chance to talk to God like in an audible voice, right? And then he says to God, hey, wait a second. Okay, don't, don't do that. Don't do that to God, right? But then watch what God does. And this might be the season of your life that you are in right now. This is what God says to Gideon. Gideon says, wait, can you hold on a second? I'm going to get a, I'm going to get, a, I'm going to get, my, I got to get my stuff together. I'm going to get a, um, a, 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 an offering. The Lord said, I'll wait. The God of the universe says, I'll wait. Let, let me tell you something. I don't know who I'm talking to this morning. I don't know if it's somebody online or somebody it's going to send you this as a reminder. Some of you, he's waiting. He's waiting. He's waiting for you to obey. He's waiting for you to take it serious. He's waiting for you to level up. You know it's him talking to you. He's waiting for you to give up that addiction. He's waiting for you to get it together. He's waiting. He said, I don't know why he's not doing anything. He is doing something. He's waiting for you. Now, we're going to take communion this morning. Communion is just a reminder that we have a Heavenly Father that loves us so much. He sent Jesus to die for our sins, to break our chains, to forgive us of our sins, and to walk with him for the rest of our lives into eternity. 
And so when we take the, the, the little wafer and the juice, we have grape juice, right? It's a representation of when on the night that Jesus was betrayed at the Last Supper, he took the bread and he gave thanks and he broke it. He said, this is my body that has been broken for you. Whenever you take and eat of this, remember me. And so that's what we do when we take that wafer. We just align our lives with the sacrifice of what Christ did on the cross. In the same way, he took the cup. He gave thanks for that. He said, this is my blood, which has been poured out for the remission of sins. Whenever you take and drink of this, remember me. And so when we do that, it's really our way of going, I'm all in. That's what communion is. It's our way of just saying, I'm, I'm all in. And so I'd encourage you, um, some people will kneel uh, down at the stage here. It's just kind of an act of submission. That's what I like to do. I just like to almost humble myself and just take a posture of, of uh, I'm not in control. Um, there'll be some people praying by the cross. If you have something that you would like God to um, uh, break in your life or some healing or whatever, you can go and pray. Uh, there'll be people to, to pray for you there. Other people will just take the communion back to their seat, and that's, that's perfectly acceptable as well. Maybe you want to take that, that bread and that cup and maybe just whisper to your Heavenly Father, I'm all in. I'm all in. I'm all in for the name you're going to call me. That's my new identity. And I'm all in to break the narrative that I'm not worthy. Because this cup and this bread is a reminder that you are worthy. So much that he died for you. We pray for us. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much, Lord, uh, for your word, for just this dude, Gideon. And... Uh, just his perspective on life so much like us, Lord. Forgive me for the times I just said, mighty warrior, what are you talking about? And yet you wait, and you wait, and you go, when are you going to do? When are you going to go? Come on. We thank you for that, Lord. Thank you for your sacrifice on the cross. As we take communion, we remind ourselves that you paid the ultimate price, and you empower us to do the same in Jesus' name. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much that you redeemed us, that you saved us, Lord. I pray for those in this room today that don't feel like a mighty warrior. Lord, I pray that you would speak the truth over them. Speak to them as you see them, the title you give them. That they would walk into this week in victory. If you uh, feel comfortable, go ahead and stand for the blessing. Now in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I pray that you would go in his peace, and his joy, and his strength. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Have a great week, and we'll see you next Sunday.